found him to be a way maker? Have you found him to be a miracle worker? Amen. I found that no matter what situation that I find myself in, no matter where I'm at, no, no matter what enemy comes against me, he is my provider. He is my way maker. He is my deliverer. And there's many times I don't know that he's working. I can't see him working, but he's never one time stopped working on your behalf. He's never one time stopped just coming down and delivering his people and healing his people and saving his people. We live in a world that gets us sometimes so flustered and there's so much for us to get our eyes on that it's sometimes it's hard to see that he's working. But I promise you, he hasn't left us. I promise you, he's still working tonight and he wants to work on your behalf in this service. Will you go with me now in prayer? Heavenly Father, how grateful we are that you are the way maker. Lord, how grateful we are that when it seemed all was lost and there was no hope for mankind and Adam's race was totally lost. Lord, the chief captain, you yourself took on flesh and came down and said, I'll fight your battles. Lord, you came down and you took on my sin and you took on my shame, Lord. Lord, you come and you made a way, Lord Jesus, where there seemed to be no way. Lord, you made a way back into the heavens for all of us, Lord. And we want to give you thanks tonight and praise. Lord, we want to look to you tonight, the way maker in this service. Lord, there's many of us tonight maybe facing roadblocks, maybe facing decisions, Lord. Maybe facing hindrances in our life that's trying to keep us from all that you want us to be. But Lord, I know tonight you will make a way. Lord, I'm just asking that you come now and take complete control of this service. Lord, may everything that's said and done bring glory to your name, Father. I ask these things now in your precious name, Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Isn't it wonderful to be in the house of God tonight? Amen. We have quite a bit of scriptures I want to read, but we'll just read the first one and I'll let you have your seats before I continue on. If you have your Bibles, I ask you to turn with me to Numbers, the 13th chapter. Numbers, the 13th chapter and the 25th verse. Numbers 13, 25. It's wonderful once again to be gathered together in the house of the Lord and have this opportunity with believers of like precious faith. We say that, but don't let it become common. It is a precious faith. It's something to hold on to and be willing to fight for. Amen. It says in verse 25, and they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, we came unto the land whither thou sendest us and surely it floweth with milk and honey and this is the fruit of it. I want you to notice that right now they have discovered that everything God has told them is the truth. Everything that he has said to them has turned out to be absolutely the truth. In verse 28, they said, nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. Amen. You may have your seats. If you'd like to also turn with me over to Joshua 5 and verse 13. Amen. It says, and it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, art thou for us 
are for our adversaries. And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoes from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. I want you to notice that right before this great battle, Right when Joshua didn't know exactly which way to go, he knew what he had to do. He knew he had to take the city. But as he's sitting there and he's wondering and he's looking, how am I going to do this? Sometimes we're in those situations. How am I going to do this? And it's in that moment when Jesus shows up. It's in that moment where the Holy Spirit comes and gives you exactly what it is you have need of. We go over into chapter 6 and we see that the battle plan is laid out as Joshua begins to tell uh, uh, the congregation exactly what it is that they're going to do. And we start in Joshua 6 and verse 3. And it says, And you shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days. And seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day you shall compass the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. Moving down to verse 20, it says, So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets. And it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet. And the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. So that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him. And they took the city. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city. Both man and woman, young and old, and ox and sheep and ass with the edge of the sword. Now I want to move down once again to verse 25. And it said, and Joshua saved Rahab, the harlot alive and her father's household and all that she had. And she dwelleth in Israel, even unto this day, because she hid the messengers, which Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Verse 26. And Joshua adjured them at that time, saying, cursed be the man before the Lord that riseth up and buildeth this city, Jericho. He shall lay the foundation thereof in his firstborn. And in his youngest son shall he set up the gates of it. Amen. I'd like to speak to you for a little while tonight on cursed walls. Cursed walls. There in our opening scripture, we see the return of the 12 spies. They had gone over into the land to search it out. And we know how it is that how that how that 10 of them came back and they returned with a negative report. And one of the main things that they mentioned in their negative report, one of the main things that stood out to them that scared them, and one of their reasons was the walls of the cities. The walls of the cities. Nevertheless, the people are strong, and the cities are walled and very great. So despite following a vindicated message, despite following a vindicated prophet, Despite the miraculous signs and wonders, despite over and over the deliverance that God had provided, yet these these 10 spies still managed to look at the circumstances that surrounded them and allowed the walls that laid between them and their promises to make them doubt. Think about what these spies had seen in their lifetime. These weren't sissies. These weren't atheists. These weren't people that didn't believe. They had seen more with their eyes than probably you will ever see. 
It says they were chosen because that they were leaders. I mean, these men were tough men. They had just spent 40 days on a covert mission behind enemy lines, spying out the land. And yet something causes them to come back with a negative report. Something causes them to come back and look, it's okay to me if you doubt and you struggle. Okay, I can tolerate that. But when you bring a negative message to cause others to doubt and because you can't believe you come with the negative message and begin to bring others down and hurt their faith and hinder their faith, that's where we have to draw the line. And they come back and they bring a message of negativity and they bring a message that would cause others not to believe, cause others to doubt. And I ask you tonight, what was the difference in the reports? What caused there to be such a difference? And the difference was that those men chose to look at, at what those men chose to look at versus what Joshua and Caleb chose to look at when they were in the other land. Notice Caleb doesn't dispute with them what their report is. Caleb doesn't say, nah, I, I didn't see any giants. And there were walled cities. What, what are you talking about? I, I didn't see any walled cities. Caleb doesn't dispute with them. As a matter of fact, it almost seems that as we read these verses of the report, that there's no disagreement at all until it comes down to whether or not they can take the land. If we'll go back and look in verse uh, 27, Numbers 13 and verse 27, it says, And they told him and said, We came into the land, whether thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey. Caleb's like, Yep, that's right. Sure does. There's an agreement there. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Manak there. And he's like, I mean, I, I, I saw some cities. Okay. I can go with that. And there were children of Anak there. Okay. He, he's just listening to them. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains and the Canaanites dwell by the sea. And by the coast of Jordan, and he's just sitting there going, okay, can we get through this report? Come on. All that's fine. All that's fine, but you're missing the good part. You're skipping the part where God said, go up and take the land. You're skipping the part where he already gave it to us. You're skipping the most important part. What did God say about the land? And they keep saying this, and it says, but the men that went up with him. Excuse me, I'm going to go back to 29. And Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb says, okay, that, that's fine. And in verse 30, he steals the people and he says, you're right. Good, good job giving the report. Now let's go take it. Brother Aaron, let me give you a report. The world is evil. Politics are rotten. COVID's on the rampage. Cancer seems everywhere. That's fine. Let's go take the land. That's fine. Let's keep on walking. That's fine. Let's do what God's called us to do. But it's bad. It's bad. Okay, that's true. I'm not arguing with you on that point. I'm telling you, God's already given us the land. God's already said, go and possess it. He says, let's go up at once and possess it. For we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. Now we have a disagreement. This is the first place where they say, oh, wait a minute, I can't go with you there. Wait just a minute. And at this point, they bring up a negative report. Notice it says in verse 32, and they brought up an evil report of the land. Because they weren't willing to go take it. Now they have to convince others that they shouldn't go take it as well. Just because I'm not going to walk in the fullness of the Holy Ghost, let me talk it down to everybody else. Just because it's not operating in my church, let me talk it down to everybody else. Just because I haven't possessed what I'm supposed to possess, let me talk it down to everyone else. 
says they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants. Now notice, earlier it was just factual things. Now suddenly this is about to get grand. It's going to turn into a grand story with boogeymen and monsters and scarecrows to keep you away. It eateth eateth up its inhabitants thereof. And all the people, now they didn't just see some giants. Everybody was men of great stature. There wasn't even one that wasn't. All the people was men of great stature. And when somebody's trying to tell you a story, trying to get you to believe something, they're kind of overselling it. Not only were they great stature, they were giants. Man, you just said that. You're just repeating yourself now at this point. And there were giants, the son of Anak, which come, which come of the giants. Well, that would make sense. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so were we in their sight. You know, this, this report here reminds me of churches that want to say, we believe in the moving of the spirit. We believe in the gifts and we believe that they should be out there operating somewhere in the body. Somewhere in the body. But they conveniently say, I mean, it doesn't mean that we all have to have it or it has to be in this church. But conveniently somewhere in the body. But when you begin to tell them, hey, you can possess that. You can take that. You can go get a hold of that. God promised that to you and to your congregation and your people. Suddenly there's an evil report. Well, we want to be careful about emotion. Oh, them tongues, they're a little bit out of place. Let's be careful with that. And suddenly there comes up an evil report. And you take them to the scriptures and you take them to the quotes and you show them one of the words says you can have it. The word said it's for you. It's for all. And all of a sudden they rallied the very people, sent the spy out the land with you, begin to rally the people to stone you because you're standing for the word, because you're standing for the movement of the spirit, because you're standing for everything. And now they want to stone you and they rally together. And come against you, the ones who went to spy out the land with you. Your brothers. Your brothers in arms, as it were. But what was the difference? Caleb and Joshua saw the walls. They saw the same things, but they chose not to focus on that. Their focus was on the promise. Their focus was on the supernatural that they had been following for years. They had been following the supernatural for years and they they knew it was the supernatural that had brought them out of Egypt. They knew it was the supernatural that had had opened up the Red Sea. They knew it was the supernatural that had fed them there in the wilderness with manna from heaven. And now you're telling me it's going to take the supernatural for us to overcome this land? And they went, okay, we're good with that. We're fine with that. And I'm telling you, we've been following a supernatural message for years. We've been following the supernatural, and it's the supernatural that's kept us. It's the supernatural that's brought us this far. It's the supernatural that saved us. It's the supernatural that's filled us. It's the supernatural that heals us. And you want to tell me it's going to take the supernatural for us to rapture? And I say, okay, I'm okay with that. I've been walking in the supernatural. I've been living in the supernatural. We are a supernatural people. We believe a supernatural message. And I say, we're okay with that. If it must be supernatural, then that's okay. Walls. The other spies saw walls. 
They saw what it was that could keep them from their promise. Joshua and Caleb saw only fulfillment. They saw that everything that he had said this far had come to pass. They said, you know what? Why does this thing keep popping? Is there something I'm doing? I just want to know if I can fix it. You're good, so no, just let it pop. <sighs> Twist it. Away. Okay. All right. Is that going to help? Is that it? Wonderful. I went as long as I could. I was like, I ain't going to bother me. Ain't going to bother me. Man, okay, it's bothering me. <laughs> went a long time. Well, it's not the sound, man. We got new mics. First time I've ever worn it. So, <laughs> yeah, we're going to take the land this evening. Ain't we? You know, Joshua and Caleb looked at it and said, he's got a pretty good track record. Everything he said thus far has come to pass. And I would like to ask even like Tabernacle, can you point to anywhere where his track record has failed? Is there a time that we can point to that he's let us down or that he's left us or that he's disappointed us? His track record is perfect. So I say tonight, we can look at his track record and say, if he said we can take the land, I don't care what's standing there to oppose us. Let's go up and take the land tonight. God had said it into Joshua and Caleb that that settled it. Brother Branham says the cities are all walled in. We cannot take it. But Caleb stilled the people, Joshua, and said, we can take it. We're more than able. Yet we being the minority, we can take it. Why? Those spies were looking at the conditions what the price they'd have to pay. But Caleb and Joshua was looking at a promise of God. God said, I have given you the land. Now go and possess it. Listen, our attitude towards the promises of God is what's going to determine whether or not you possess those promises. Not just an acknowledgement of, well, the word is true. Not just an acknowledgement of, well, yes, God does those things. Not just an acknowledgement of, well, we found the land exactly how you said we would find the land. It's not just an acknowledgement, but it's an attitude of give me my mountain today. I'm going to go take it today. And not just that God heals, but God is my healer today. I'm going to tear down those walls and to get my healing today. It's not just that he will, it's that he has. And he's doing it right now for me and he's doing it right now for you. And he's on the scene this very moment. Not just an acknowledgement, but let's go take it at once. I will have my mountain Well, how can we say that with such assurance? How can we say that tonight with such confidence? Because the chief captain has come down. Because the chief captain has come down. And every wall that stands in our way is absolutely no match for our chief captain. You don't have to worry. You don't have to figure it all out tonight. The chief captain is here on your behalf. You just have to have faith that the one that brought me out, the one that fed me in the wilderness, the one that opened the Red Sea, he's the one that's going to see me all the way through. He brought me out. He's going to take me in. Just have confidence that the one whose track record has never failed will not fail now. As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. See, I will be with you. There's nothing uncertain about it. I'll be with you. He told Joshua years later, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. How am I going to take these great walled cities? That's not for you to figure out. I was with Moses. I'll be with you. And everywhere your foot treads is possession. Just keep walking. See, nothing's going to stand before you all the days of your life. Nothing uncertain about that. I will be with you. He'll be with us, church. 
Remember Brother Mickey, when he was well enough to be with us, he would always say, just keep walking. That was something he said all the time. Brother Mickey, everything going okay? Just got to keep walking. Just got to keep walking. What a truth there is in that. Just take another step tonight, people. Just take another step and keep walking and just keep trusting. Look, the truth is in this life, the devil is going to battle you every step you take. He's going to do everything he can to stand before you. When you go to obtain your inheritance, he's going to fight you. When you go to obtain your promises, he's going to fight you. He, uh, you are going to encounter trials. You're going to encounter hardships. You're going to encounter enemies. You are going to encounter walls. These walls are intended to keep you from your promises. Brother Branham says, look what he said. Here's a good thought. He told Moses, I've given you Palestine. It's yours. And it was all walled up and fortified with Philistines and big walls around it. But I give it to you. It's yours. Now go take it. There's the idea. Go take it. Divine healing's yours. Go take it. It's fortified up with the doctor's belief and agnostic's belief and everything else. Go take it. God said it's yours, amen. The Holy Ghost is yours. Go take it. Your pastor don't believe it, but the Bible said it was, so go take it. It's God's word. You know how them 10 come back, said, oh, we look like grasshoppers. We can't do it. Joshua said, yes, we can. God said so. That's the promise. I believe it. Peter said the promise is unto you and your children and to them that's afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Amen. I believe the baptism of the Holy Ghost and all the fullness of God is raining down on the church today. It's for whosoever will. God promised it in his word. It's ours. Let's take it. Let's go over and possess the ground. Hey, man, let's go over and possess the ground. We see there in Joshua 5, in our second reading, that years have passed. And once again, Joshua is looking at the same walls that he had looked at many years before when he came to the land as a spy. You know, many times when we fail to handle something that we're supposed to, it's going to come back around on us later on. Every time. Now, I know it wasn't Joshua's fault that they hadn't done this before, but still, he finds himself staring at the same walls because Israel had failed to go and deal with these walls 40 years before. And now here they are facing the exact same issue that they was before. Church, we got to deal with issues as we come to them. We, we got to stand and fight when things come to us, not tuck tail and run, not put our heads in the sand. If it comes before you now, fight now, overcome now, be victorious now, face it now. Because shirking our responsibilities and putting our head down in the sand doesn't make the issue go away. It doesn't make the thing you're struggling with go away. He said you could possess the land, so just square your shoulders back. It may not be fun. It may not be easy. But if you don't face it today, you're going to face it tomorrow. And if you don't face it tomorrow, you're going to face it later on. And all you're doing is allowing that thing to gain strength in your life. You're allowing it to get a deeper root. You're allowing it to get a deeper hold. Deal with it when you come to it. Deal with it the first time you have an opportunity. Don't let it become so ingrained in your life that you actually begin to believe this is who I am. This is my personality. This is just how I operate. No, it's not. And you knew it when it first came in before you petted the thing and coddled the thing and allowed it to stay there. Instead of manning up, being a man, being a son of God and a daughter of God and say, we'll deal with this thing now in the name of Jesus. Deal with things as they come up. 
And here is Joshua finally getting the opportunity to set right what wasn't done 40 years earlier. And he's looking over Jericho wondering what's the best way to attack. Now look, he wasn't looking at it in doubt. He knew he was going to attack and he knew he was going to win. But being a godly leader, he's looking at it going, what's the best way? He's praying about it. He's looking at the enemy and he's wondering how are we going to do this exactly? And in that moment, he sees a man. Joshua 5, 13, and it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. That right there is enough to shout about. Listen, he's not standing back with his arms folded saying, let's see if Brother Joe can do this. Let's see if Evening Light Tabernacle can make it through. Let's see if they can get through this trial. I want to know if they can defeat this devil. No, sir. His sword is drawn. He's going to battle for you. He's leading the charge. He's out front. He's slicing heads off. He's taking you to the promised land. He is in the battle with you. He's fighting the battle for you. How can we lose? How can we not be victorious? The one who's never lost a battle is right here in the battle with us. And his sword is in his hand. His sword is drawn and he's fighting the battle for you. That right there is enough. That right there is enough to be happy about. And Joshua asked, are you one of us or are you one of our adversaries? And in verse 14, he says, nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord, am I now come? I'm telling you tonight, whatever situation you find yourself in, you've been seeking him. You've been looking for leadership. You've been looking for a victory over your adversary. And he stands before you tonight with his sword drawn. And his word to you tonight is, tonight, as the captain of the Lord's host, I have come down to fight your battles for you. I have come down to conquer this battle for you. I have come down to lead you. But, there's a but to that? Yes. But you got to do what it is that I ask you to do. You got to follow the battle plan. You know, sometimes we don't conquer. Sometimes we don't overcome. Sometimes the wall don't fall down like it said it would. And I wonder, did we follow the battle plan? Did we follow the word the way we were told to? Did we do things the way the angel told us to do them? I really have wondered through the years when I would read this scripture what some of the men thought as Joshua laid out the plan. I mean, think about it. Maybe some of them were great men of war. Maybe, maybe some of them were great at strategy and they had planned this battle and they had planned that battle and they knew exactly how to strike and which side to come from. And Joshua begins talking. I can see him in the back going, Wait. So we're going to walk around it. Oh, okay. I'm with you. When do we attack? When are we going to charge? When are we going to go straight for the gate? No, no, we're just going to walk around it. Okay. I mean, I don't know, man. I've been through a lot with him, but this just don't make sense. What are we going to do the next day? You're going to love this. We're going to walk around it again. We're going to walk around it again. So we're just going to walk. We're just going to walk. What's he teaching them in this moment? What's he teaching you in this moment? 
he's teaching you, yes, you got a part to play. Yes, you got to follow the plan, but it's, it's not going to be by might. It's not going to be by force. It's not going to be by anything you do, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. That's how you're going to conquer the gate of your enemy. It's going to be by doing what he said. And yes, you have to do that. You have to do your part, but it's him that's going to tear the walls down. Look, sometimes it don't make sense. Sometimes we don't understand. Where are we going? Why is he leading this way? Why did I have to do that? Sometimes young people are the worst. I don't understand why this matters. I don't understand why this matters. Nobody asked if you did. And I'm not picking on you. I've been there. It probably took me longer to outgrow that than a lot of people. Okay, just being honest. You read something, you're like, why? Because it's the battle plan. What else do you need to know? Because it's the battle plan. And he said, if you follow the battle plan, you're going to be victorious. That's good enough for me. I want to be victorious. I want to overcome. I want to take a rapture. I want healing. I want salvation for my children. So I'm just going to follow the battle plan. I'm just going to do what it is that he tells me to do. Do what I tell you to do and you will conquer all. Do what I tell you to do and those walls in your life will come down. Those strongholds will fall. I imagine it looked kind of funny to those people in Jericho. I mean, I know they were scared. The Bible says they were. They were already frightened, but it probably gave them hope when they looked out there and saw their attack plan. They probably thought, you know what? I think we got this. They don't even have any weapons. They're looking out there going, what, what is it? It's a Jewish walkathon. Are they raising money? And they begin to mock them. Y'all been walking all day. Are your feet turned? Woo, look at y'all walking around for the fourth time. Ooh, I'm scared now. Yesterday was just once. And they begin to mock. And they begin to mock. And they begin to call out. Is this all you're going to keep doing? Just keep on walking? I can imagine one of them Israelites thinking because they weren't allowed to talk. That would have been a hard one on me. I'd be like, mm, mm. What are you doing out there? You're just going to keep walking? Oh, you've walked around the building six times today. Woo, six times. I can imagine him thinking, you got about five minutes to live. <laughs> keep talking. You got about five minutes to live because here just in a minute, a gospel trumpet's going to blow. And when the gospel trumpet blows, we're going to begin to shout and we're going to begin to praise the Lord. Go ahead, devil. Keep mocking the services at Evening Light Tabernacle. Keep mocking our worship. Keep mocking our praise. You got a few moments to live because the gospel trumpet is going forth and there's people that begin to shout and they begin to praise the Lord. And when the walls come down, you got nowhere else to hide. You keep on mocking me. Your time's almost up. Go ahead. Go ahead. The trumpet sounded. The trumpet sounded. Hallelujah. Go ahead and keep mocking. We come together and the gospel trumpet begins to sound. We're here to tear walls down, devil. We're here to tear walls down. We're here to take our promises tonight. We're here to destroy walls of complex. We're here to destroy walls of fear. We're here to destroy the works of the devil. We're here to tear down walls of sickness. 
And we're here to set free every Rahab that's been trapped behind those walls who wanted to get out, but the walls were too high and they didn't know how to get out. That's okay. We're about to bring the walls down. Hallelujah. Ain't it something that it was the shouting that came after the trumpet sounded that caused the walls to fall? I like that. Brother Brown says, and so, apparently in this service, there's some racing going on outside the building and it's loud. Brother Brown says, and so if we could just race up the highway to heaven like that, wouldn't we be doing something? Like those jalopy races going on out there. But I don't believe they can drown me out. I don't believe they can. We'll just shout that down. If the walls of Jericho fell by some shouting, why a little bit wouldn't hurt now, would it? Maybe the shackles would fall off then. Why you got churches full of people bound? Why you got churches full of people bound down and oppressed and they can't be free and they can't be loose? The walls are still standing. There ain't been no shouting in a while. There ain't been no freedom in a while. There ain't been no joy in the camp. There ain't been no victory in the camp. Why not? Do the people not want to be free? Of course they want to be free. Of course they want to be free, but there's somebody in the pulpit holding their thumb down on them that won't let them get loose, won't let them get free. Rahab was trapped. She couldn't get out. She was stuck in there. She wanted to be free. She wanted to rejoice. She wanted the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but it took the worship of somebody else. It took the worship of people on the outside saying, walls come down, walls come down, walls come down. Oh, I tell you what, be an example. Be a worshiper. Be a praiser. Let your shouts tear walls down. Hallelujah. Let's free some Rahabs. Some people that won't out. Hallelujah. Let the naysayers mock me. I'm just following the battle plan. Joshua 6.20. So the people shouted when the priest blew the trumpets. And it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. I say it's time to tear down some walls tonight. It's time to let some shouts go up and some walls come down. We were a bride predestinated not to fall facing walls tonight that are predestinated to fall I like those odds we can't lose walls what happened back there in the garden we're going all the way back to the garden of Eden when man fell our inheritance our rights and our position in Christ was walled up from us Health was walled away and death reigned. Peace was walled up and fear reigned. Joy was walled up and sorrow and sadness reigned. It seemed like at that point we could never attain to what God had intended man to attain to. It seemed like humanity stood no chance against the walls of Satan. But there was a chief captain. There was a chief captain that came down. 
you know, the Jews expected him to come down and tear down physical walls. They thought when the Messiah came, he would tear down the walls of the Roman Empire and tear down the walls and restore the kingdom of Israel back to what they perceived it should be to defeat the Romans. But it was about so much more than that. This was about walls around your life. This was about walls around my life. This was about walls that kept us from eternal life. Walls that kept us from healing and walls that kept us from ever going in and claiming the land and and claiming our inheritance and our position. And there at Calvary, he began in one fell swoop, in one act, he tore down every single wall that the enemy had. He destroyed everything that the enemy had built up. Walls around peace were destroyed. Walls around healing were destroyed. Walls around your salvation were destroyed. And then he sends back his spirit on the day of Pentecost. And men and women are endued with power from on high. And they began to operate in freedom. There was freedom in that first church because they were no longer walled in. There was no walls binding them. They weren't walled by tradition. They weren't being ruled by man and ideas of man. But they were being led by the great chief captain. They were being led by the Holy Spirit. Following the plan that he had laid out for them that day on the day of Pentecost, they were a free people. They were a powerful church. They were attaining all that God had promised them. They weren't afraid to face a wall of sickness. They weren't afraid to face a demon and cast him out. They weren't afraid of prophecies. They weren't afraid to testify of visions that were amongst the people. They weren't afraid of the gifts operating in the church the way that they were supposed to operate in the church. The gifts of the Spirit were in full operation in that church just as God intended and intends for them to be. The walls had fallen. And what God destroys, he does not want built back. Joshua 6, 26. And Joshua adjured them at that time saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord that riseth up and buildeth this city Jericho. He shall lay the foundation thereof in his firstborn. And in his youngest son shall he set upon the gates of it. In other words, when he lays the foundation, his firstborn son will die. And when he sets the gates... His youngest son will die. God had destroyed Jericho, not Israel. God had done it. And he destroyed it because he wanted it destroyed. And when God destroys something, he says, Cursed is the man who will rebuild this. Cursed is the man that will try to put my people back in bondage after I freed them. From the church age book, Brother Brown says, Paul saw it coming. But he warned them about this subtle priesthood that would come and take over with false doctrines. He knew they would implement a way of worship that excluded the people from any part in a Holy Spirit ministry. And even right today, among those who claim to be free and full of the Spirit, there is not too much freedom in the laity. And the best we can see is a few preachers with inspired preaching while the flock just sits there and tries to absorb it. Now notice this isn't the flock's fault. This is what they've been taught, and this is what they've been beat over the head with time and time and time and time again. 
to where they don't realize they can be free from that. This is a far cry from Paul who said that when we all came together, all, say all, all. had the leading of the spirit and all participated in spiritual worship. Me? Oh. Paul knew that man would once again build walls. How did Paul know this? Well, we can assume by revelation, but also because he knew exactly what religious men without the baptism of the Holy Ghost would do with the word because he had once been that man. And what had he done with the word before he had the baptism of the Holy Ghost? He used the word to kill and to destroy. And he knew exactly what men would do if they didn't get to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And it didn't take long until man began to brick by brick build back walls that God had torn down. That Nicolaitan spirit began to work among the church. Brother Branham says it taught a control over the people. But instead of doing it God's way, they simply took authority, invested all the spiritual power in their own hands, and came out with a holy priesthood standing between God and the people. They went right back to the old Aaronic system. So when you do these things, you're not just going back several church ages. You're going all the way back before the blood of Jesus Christ to the Old Testament. One of the first things that that spirit wanted to do was to wall up the supernatural experience of the new birth. And to rob the supernatural working of the spiritual gifts among the laity. Because if you're not gifted and I say you can't operate gifts and you don't have gifts and it doesn't work that way anymore. Then guess who's the only person that's gifted? Because obviously I am, because I'm the priest. But there's no gifts anymore operating out there. So automatically, just by getting you to accept that, I get you to be subservient to me. Because there's no more gifts, and now I've conquered the laity. And so they, they get to where they don't want the working of the spiritual gifts among the laity. See, taking away the gifts of the supernatural working of the spirit among the people is step one of taking away the new birth. Are you saying you have to have a gift like tongues or a gift working in order to have the new birth? No, I'm not saying that at all. That's not where we're going at all. But when the spirit is walled up and the gifts of the spirit is walled up, the next thing that happens is they wall up the experience of the new birth and replace it with all you got to do is believe. All you got to do is accept this doctrine. All you got to do is believe that God sent a prophet. Just accept what I'm telling you. You're okay. Just stay beneath me. You're okay. Because they can't allow the gifts to operate. Because if the gifts begin to operate, then that will create an atmosphere that will then lead to a new birth. So they must quench the moving of the spiritual gifts among the laity. Because in that atmosphere, the spirit would be moving and the supernatural would be present. Brother Aaron, who would do this? What kind of heathens would do this to the church of God? What kind of people? Surely people way out there, people that never knew of the message of the hour. Surely ignorant and unlearned people who didn't know the scripture. 
Brother Branham tells us exactly who began this. He says, there's where the Roman Catholic Church was formed, out of a group of people that were converts of St. Paul. And Irenaeus. That's two messengers. And St. Martin. He says, and on down. Who was doing this? Converts of the message of the hour. Why are y'all always talking about this? Why are you always talking about this? Surely this is something a million miles away. No, sir. It's converts of the message of the hour. Wolves in sheep's clothing. Followers of the message of the hour. No. Yes. Absolutely. They began to build walls that God had cursed. Walls that God had turned down. Brother Brown says God never intended the church to be run by men. God runs his church and he runs it through gifts of the spirit. The gifts of the spirit is in the church to correct the spirit. He's got five ministerial offices in his church. Apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, pastors. Now that's the elected offices of God to his church. Then in each, each local church, there's nine spiritual gifts that come among the people. That is knowledge, wisdom, gifts of healing, working of miracles, speaking with tongues and interpretation of tongues. And all these things go in each local body. Guys, I'm not making this up. This is the prophet of God. This is Malachi 4. We either believe it all or we don't. Each local body and every person in the church has an individual ministry. What? Can you imagine what freedom that would give to a congregation of people who were held under the thumb of a dictator? I may be wrong, but I don't think this quote's getting read everywhere tonight or tomorrow or the next day or ever. And the individual ministry goes together with the rest of the ministry to edify the body of Jesus Christ. Look, it's no wonder that down through the ages the gifts were lost. Because the priest and the minister saw the power that came from being the only ones with the gift. The devil saw how powerless the church would be without the supernatural. Believing became a substitute for experiencing Yes, you must believe, but you must experience. You must believe and experience. The true experience of the baptism of the Holy Ghost is lost, and carnal men like the ten spies began to teach that it wasn't needed anymore. You know, in one quote, Brother Branham calls the ten spies theologians. He says those ten were theologians. From a church history. I wish I'd have wrote down which one it was. That felt so vague to say from church history. It says especially important in this regard is the concentration of spiritual authority and ministry in the office of bishop and priest in the emerging church of Rome. By the early 4th century and much earlier according to some, 
there was already a move to limit the opportunity to speak, to serve, and minister in the life of the church to the ordained clergy. In other words, you had to be ordained clergy to speak, serve, or minister in any way. Lay folk were silenced and marginalized and left almost entirely dependent on the contribution of the local priest or bishop. This next thing actually was very shocking to me because it's amazing sometimes when you go back and read different quotes from different messengers how much they line up. Messengers from ages gone by. Quote from John Wesley. That the grand reason why the miraculous gifts were so soon withdrawn was not only that faith and holiness were well nigh lost, but dry, formal, orthodox men began even then to ridicule whatever gifts that they had not themselves. There it is. They began to ridicule dry, orthodox men began even then to ridicule whatever gifts they had not themselves and to decry them all as madness or imposture. Or that's just wildfire if we put it in our terms. Those tongues were out of place. Carnal men began to say that only the prophet could operate those gifts. Carnal men began to wall off these gifts from the laity and from the congregation. Wall them off from the people until Brother Branham would say it was all being choked out of it like a python. He said just slowly choking the life out of the church. Pardon me as I quote John Wesley once again. From this time, they almost totally ceased talking about the supernatural, miraculous works. Very few instances of the kind were found. The cause of this was not, as has been supposed, as has been supposed that they were no longer needed. The real cause was that the love of many, almost all so-called Christians, has waxed cold. The Christians had no more of the spirit of Christ than the heathens. The son of man, when he came to examine his church, could hardly find faith upon the earth. This was the real cause of why the extraordinary gifts of the Holy Ghost were no longer to be found in the Christian church because the Christians were turned heathens again and had only a dead form left. Hey, it's heavy, I know. It's heavy on me. Man, to begin to go back to torn down walls. Begin to wall themselves in again until once again man was walled off from the power of God. Walled back into a system of man. Going back to Jericho once again. Brother Branham said anytime you go to Jericho you're backsliding. He said because you're going away from Jerusalem. You're heading back towards the wilderness. You're walking away from the promised land. He says Jericho was always a cursed city since the Jews possessed Palestine. Joshua said, cursed is the man that will build this city. Jericho always represented backslidden, going back to the wilderness. But God wouldn't leave it like this. God began to move in Luther, and he began to move in Wesley. And then God tore down the walls of formality in 1906 in the Azusa Street Movement, and he restored the gifts once again to the church And then God, through a message in this day, came and demonstrated once and for all that the supernatural is to be evident and operated and manifested in the church. Once and for all, settled the issue. 
the most supernatural message to ever strike the earth. Even his contemporaries would say, Bible days are here again. The most supernatural message as night after night he battled the walls of formality. Night after night he battled the walls of God don't do that anymore. Night after night he battled the walls of you're just holy rollers. And night after night he tore those walls down. Brother Brandon would say, the old saying that the days of miracles is past, the walls is tore down. Cursed is the man who would rebuild them. First Kings 16, 29. And in the 30 and 8th year of Asa, king of Judah, began Ahab, the son of Omri, to reign over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel in Samaria 20 and 2 years. Skip down to 31. And it came to pass, as it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took a wife, Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbal, king of Zidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. And he reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a grove, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. Now, I read that to get to this, because it's under the leadership and guidance of Ahab, a backslidden lukewarm, fence-riding preacher that this happens in verse 34. In his days did Hael, the Bethelite, build Jericho. He laid the foundation thereof in Abiram, his firstborn, and set up the gates thereof in his youngest son, Segub, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Joshua, the son of Nun. Under the leadership of one who was afraid to stand up who was afraid to honor the word, who was afraid to say everything that's in the word is going to happen. Everything that's in the word is supposed to be there. Under that leadership, Hiel builds back Jericho. I found it interesting that his name means God lives. I also found it interesting that his firstborn son, Abiram, his name means my father is exalted. Somewhere, something went wrong. Someone got lifted up. Someone got exalted and thought everything that was in here didn't matter. Somewhere, somebody began to think, you know, I know that's what the scripture says, but we don't need that anymore. I need to protect my people from fanaticism. So I'm going to build this wall back up. Jewish tradition would show that hell was actually a general in Israel in direct contact with Ahab. Not only does he lose his firstborn when he laid the foundation and his youngest when he sets the gate, but every one of his other children die in the process of the construction. Oh my, we must rebuild this because it's on the road that goes to Jerusalem. It just makes sense, Brother Joe. We must rebuild this to protect our interests. After all, it'll be an Israelite city now, so it'll be okay. This just makes sense. We should build this back. We must rebuild it. It makes sense to rebuild it. But the word of God said, don't rebuild the wall. But we can't have all this fanaticism and wildfire in the church. We got to protect our people. And so what we're going to do is we're going to point to the examples of the counterfeit as our reasons to build a wall. In reality, what it does is it keeps the people from the real thing. 
Brother Aaron, why do you want to see these things so bad? Why do you preach the supernatural so bad? Why do you preach the gifts so much? Because God said they would be there. Because the word said they would be there. And I want to see the fulfillment of all the word. Because everything, listen to me, everything, and I'm going to back this up with a quote. Everything that we believe is built around the supernatural. Everything. And if you take away the supernatural, what are you left with? But another dead creed, another dead theology, another morgue that Brother Branham preached about. He says, I'm just an old-fashioned, just an old-fashioned backwoods preacher that believes in old-time heartfelt sky-blue sin-killing religion. That's right. That believes the old-fashioned way. And I believe that man, when he's born of God, becomes a son of God. The supernatural power of God dwells in him. We have a supernatural God. We have a supernatural life. I believe that any man that's born of the supernatural spirit believes in the supernatural. Any man that's born of the supernatural spirit believes in the supernatural. We got a supernatural resurrection. We got a supernatural heaven. We got a supernatural rapture. I believe the whole thing's built up around the supernatural. And if a man is born of the spirit of God, he believes in the supernatural. He can't help it because he's the son of God. And that's the reason tonight we got so many old, cold, formal, indifferent, God forsaken, backslidden churches. Because men and women are not born of the spirit of God. They have no taste of God. They know nothing about God. And all they know is theology. I don't believe I could have said it any harsher had I tried. It's pretty cut and dry. Listen, a weakened faith in the supernatural power of God operating in the church can only weaken your faith in God, period. And the same spirit that slowly began to build the wall up against the supernatural in the first church age is trying with all its might once again to build those walls in this age. After God sent a prophet tore those walls down. Brother Brown says, and when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you'll be witnesses of me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Saskatoon, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And with the weapon that he left us, he told us to dash into sickness and to sin. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Men and women, it's time that we picked up the weapon that our hero of God's love left us and dash out yonder and fight against ignorance and superstitions and formality and break down the walls of the enemy and display the real gallant love that we believe in. God and his word till sickness is healed and devils are routed and the blind see and the deaf hear. God help me to do it as long as I got a breath left in my body as long as I got a breath left in my body as long as evening like tabernacle still standing as long as we're still gathering here fight against formality fight against those walls being built back up again fight against that spirit coming into our churches fight against service that we call teaching because they're so dead and cold so we call it teaching so we can excuse the lack of anointing that's on it fight against those things The devil's built more walls than ever. We're under attack more than ever. But my God still tears down walls. His people still tear down walls. I say we need the supernatural in our midst now more than we've ever needed the supernatural in our midst. 
I got a dad that needs the supernatural to destroy cancer. I got a friend named Ron Spencer that needs the supernatural God to destroy cancer. We got a friend named Erica Parker that needs a supernatural God to move on her behalf and destroy cancer. And I'm not worried one little bit because he said I give you the land. He said I go before you. I see in the scripture that his sword is drawn. His sword is in his hand. He tore down the wall and I will not let you. I defy any spirit that would come back in and try to rob us of healing. Try to rob my children of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You're not building that wall in this congregation. You're not building that wall in this message. This bride will not be denominated. More walls than ever means we need more faith than ever. We need the supernatural operating to give faith more than ever. Goodness, our rapture is supernatural. We need the baptism of the Holy Ghost back in the church again. We need miracles. We need gifts. We need signs. Oh, I know. I know our faith isn't based in a sign. Our faith isn't based in a gift. Our faith isn't based in a tongue. I know. That's not where our faith lies. Our faith lies in the unchanging word of God. But listen to this. Brother Branham said that he sends his gifts to confirm to us that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, which builds faith. Gifts confirm the word. Brother Branham says, and your gifts that you send down to your church to conform, to confirm your word that you promise. People walk away and call it the works of the devil. Listen. Now remember, the Holy Spirit's got to bring to God everything that every professing Christian says about it. That's why I take the stance Brother Branham took when those sisters was dancing in his church. He said, I chose not to say anything about it. Just in case they were right and I was wrong. You don't have to understand it. That person's following their battle plan. Now the church now is engaged to Christ for the wedding. The wedding has never been performed yet. It will be at the wedding supper of the Lamb. So we see that the church is now engaged like a man engaged to his wife. What does he do while they're engaged? He's just bestowing all kind of things, sending her presents, making her feel good. Well, that's what Christ is doing to his church. He's sending us gifts of the Spirit. How can you be engaged then when you're denying these gifts exist? It's the very love tokens. It's God's tokens to the church. Jesus said, so these signs shall follow them that believe. But brother Aaron, the word was restored. The word was restored. Nobody's arguing that. I agree with you. Matter of fact, here's what was restored. Brother Branham says, that's the way an old-fashioned revival is when you reach down and get a better hold. Step off of that cold, formal creed over here. You get over here on the vine of the Lord and go to eating the fruits and grapes of the vine of the Lord. Amen. I will restore, saith the Lord. I will restore. Brother Branham asked the question, restore what? All the beauty that she was at one time. I will restore the same church that I had at Pentecost. I will restore the gifts of the Spirit. I will restore signs and wonders. I will restore speaking in tongues. I will restore the prophet. I will restore all, saith the Lord. All of it. Every last bit of it. 
How must he feel when he sends down gifts to the one that's supposed to be his future bride, his engaged one, and they mock his gifts. And they laugh at his gifts. And they say, we don't need this. <laughs> Look at them. I don't even think that was real. And the Holy Spirit's telling him exactly what you said about it. Trying to find a place to bring this down. What good does it know the word? What good does it to know the word intellectually? The Pharisees knew it better than any of us. They knew it through and through, and yet the word with life in it, they hated. They hated the word with life in it. Word with spirit in it, they hated they hated him because he was the quotes of the prophets that they loved to worship made flesh. Oh, a lot of people love the quotes, but they don't love quotes with life in it. They don't like quotes with skin on it. They don't like quotes with the spirit moving over them. They don't like those kind of quotes because man is rebuilding a wall. Once again, rebuilding is a spirit of Catholicism, a spirit of denomination. It's a spirit of hell. What's it doing? What kind of a person would want to wall up their people from the blessings that God is sending for them? From the love tokens is what Brother Branham called it that is being sent down for it. And yet they wall them up, even if it's by no other way but constantly pointing to the fanaticism. Even if it's by no other way but constantly pointing out the counterfeit. By constantly pointing out the emotional aspect of it as if that's a negative. By constantly pointing, well, that's just emotion, and this one here's counterfeit, and this one's... And what they do is they point at all these things, and brick by brick by brick, they cause their people to be terrified to let loose in the presence of the Lord. And brick by brick, they're building. And brick by brick, they're building. And cursed be the man before the Lord that riseth up and buildeth that city. And look where the curse lays. Look where the curse lays. It says, cursed be the man before the Lord that riseth up and buildeth this city, Jericho. He shall lay the foundation thereof in his firstborn and in his youngest son. Where does the curse lay? The curse lays on the children. The curse lays on the young people. He loses his children. And you would think after he lost the first one, he would back off and say, maybe I was wrong. But no, his stubbornness says, I'm going to put another brick on. And I'm going to call that fanaticism. And I'm going to call that emotional workup. And I'm going to say, don't go to those camps. And he puts another brick and another child dies. And another young person disappears out the door. And pretty soon, the pews are empty of young people. There's no life in the church. Oh, but they're happily building and happily building and happily building. And the curse is on the children. And they never see the supernatural operate. So to them, it's nothing but stories. Joshua knew the walls would fall because he had examples. Our young people don't know the walls are going to fall because they've never seen anything. Because they've been stuck behind a wall their entire life and told it's not safe out there. Don't go out there. It's not safe out there. All in the name of protecting my people. I'm protecting them from all that. I'm protecting them from all that. I'm protecting my people from Pentecostalism. I'm building these walls and all you're doing is killing the new birth. All you're doing is killing their opportunity at a revival. You're killing homes. 
You're making sure there's no births. You're no different than Pharaoh. Lording over the people. Protecting the people. Because it's not the season for the supernatural. We wouldn't want you to get led astray. The Berlin Wall couldn't make it through a whole one without a little history. Modern history's most infamous wall erected in 1961. When the Soviets aligned East German government, when the Soviet aligned East German government built a series of concrete partitions separating East and West Berlin. While communist leaders claimed the barriers were designed to keep out the fascist and enemies of the state. This is for your protection. We're doing this for you. Their real function was to prevent the East Germans from defecting to the West. For 28 years, it stood as the symbol of division. That's what these walls are, division. Symbols of division of Europe and the world, of communist suppression. The xenophobia of a regime that had to lock its people in lest they be tempted by a freer life. Message believers build that wall. Mix the mortar. East German propagandists had spent decades trying to convince the world that this wall was an instrument of freedom. Referring to the Berlin Wall as an anti fascist protective rampart, officials claimed the wall was necessary to protect citizens of the German Democratic Republic from the exploitation and oppression inherent in the West. It's for your freedom. This is for your freedom. I, don't, I understand that when you've been beat down and told something for so long, you begin to believe it. But from the outside, I'm like, do you think I'm stupid? This is for my freedom? Sit down, be quiet, hush, shh. Don't shout. Because my wall might fall down. Why don't they want you shouting? Because they built walls. They need their walls to stay up. They need their walls stayed in. This is for your protection. This is for your freedom. Listen, you think when those walls came down and Rahab was free, don't tell her to go back in Jericho for her protection. Rahab, what are you doing? Get back in there. Uh Uh-uh. No. She was free now. Don't go telling her it's time to return behind those walls that it's for her safety or that it's for her freedom. Listen, I want to add my voice to a now deceased former president of the United States, Ronald Reagan. And I'll add my voice to the World Wide Web. And I'll say preachers of this message and congregations of this message, tear down those walls. I say tear them down. Walls of oppression. Walls keeping your people chained. Walls not letting your people be free. Not letting the spirit operate. Tear down those walls. Tear them down. God's people are ordained to tear down walls. God's ministers are ordained to tear down walls. To bring freedom to the people. To bring liberty to the people. To get a people ready to rapture. To build up their faith. To see that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Not because I told you so. Because you see him operating in your midst. From this side of the church to that side of the church. 
these walls are cursed walls and they must fall in the name of Jesus Christ. You'll give me one minute. I'm closing this service. Those walls are not for their safety. Those walls are to keep people bound. Those walls keep people from their promise. And the thing is, they've got them walled inside a wall, inside a wall. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, they're facing issues and they're under attack that the power of God could easily tear down. But because they're walled off from that, they can't use the power of God to attack that. They're walled inside a wall, inside a wall. Walls that could come down. And so now they're used to depression. Now they're used to not being able to overcome. They've been walled off for so long they think it's normal. It's not normal. It's not what you have to be. That wall in your life must fall. You are ordained and called to tear down walls. This bride is ordained to tear down walls. What about you tonight? And I hate that I wasn't able to get to this sooner. I didn't mean to spend so much time there. Don't put your promises tonight in a walled city where you can't go free when the Jubilee trumpet sounds. We don't have time to get into that. There was a law about that and putting your property in a walled city. And when the Jubilee trumpet would sound, it couldn't go free. Brother Brown says, watch the sound of the trumpet in a few minutes. What it declares, the trumpet, the gospel trumpet. See who can hear it. Remember, those in the walled cities could not come out in the Jubilee. No, sir, they were in the walls. They stayed there. It was over. They were slaves the rest of their life, and they had to be marked. Evening like tabernacle, don't let the devil build walls around you. Don't let the devil build walls around your promises. Don't go to walling yourself in with your complexes and your self-doubt. Don't do the devil's work. This has nothing to do with your ability, and I just can't. It has no, I just can't, I don't want to hear it. He's standing there tonight with his sword drawn. It's not about your ability. He brought you out. He's going to take you in. Just believe that tonight. Just trust in that tonight. He said, I give you the land, but there's walled cities. I give you the land. I give you the land tonight. Jesus tore down every wall that kept you on the outside, locked away from your inheritance. Sin was cursed. Death was cursed. Sickness was cursed. What are you saying? That demon that is attacking you, trying to build that wall in your life, that demon is cursed already. That demon trying to build that wall in your life is a cursed demon. He can't stand before you. Just when the trumpet sounds, when the gospel trumpet blows, be willing to stand to your feet and recognize I'm free tonight. Glory. He has no hold on me. He can't stay. That wall must come down. That demon is already cursed. You want your peace? Tear down the wall. You want your healing? Aaron Oglesby, tear down the wall. Let me preach to myself for a minute. Go get it. It's a cursed devil. He can't stand before you any longer. It's already been cursed by the power of Jesus Christ. The walls are cursed tonight, even like tabernacle. Just go take the land. I'm going to end with this quote. You can stand with me, musicians. You can come. We'll see miracles. 
Yes. We're going to see giants fall. Yes. I'm probably going to get fired because in class the other day I was showing my class the Prince of Egypt. Yeah, it was awesome. I'd pause like every five minutes. You know what that means? That blood right there represented how you can be saved by the blood of Jesus. And they're like, oh, really? Yeah, play. I was pausing it constantly. It's the first time I ever preached to my kids. It's okay. They loved it. Liddy was texting me, and I don't remember the exact thing. <laughs> she was telling me about some desperate situations, people fighting desperate battles, people that need God. It may not mean nothing to you. It's okay. It meant a lot to me. She sends me this text, and I'm reading. I'm like, God, we need you. I'm sitting there, and it's a cartoon. I know. But the people are walking out of Egypt, and she texts me that, and I'm reading it, and all of a sudden they break into this song. You will see miracles if you believe. There will be miracles if you can receive. I thought, oh God, thank you. You've called us to tear down walls. You've called us to overcome. You've called us to not be afraid. It's what we're here for. We will see miracles. We will see giants fall. They're going to fall because we're a faith people. We're going to keep going forward with a supernatural faith in God. We may be facing walls tonight, but even like Tabernacle, I ain't backing up. We ain't backing up because once again, there's a people standing there staring at the walls of Jericho. And we're not worried. We know we're going to attack. And we know we're going to win. We may not know exactly how, but suddenly there's a man standing there. Suddenly there's a man standing there. And maybe 40 years ago they didn't do it. And maybe daddy didn't do it. And maybe somebody in your family didn't do it. But here you are standing there looking at that wall with an opportunity to make it all right. It's time now to tear down walls. It's time now to go on the attack. It's time now to take the promise. Walls must fall. What are you saying? I'm saying cancer is defeated. I'm saying diabetes is defeated. I'm saying barrenness is defeated. I'm saying depression is defeated. He says, Harlot Rahab, she hid them under this flax on top of her roof, sent the men out of the gates and come back and said, look. Now watch how God's a moving to take this encouragement back to Joshua. He said, all this country fainteth because of you. Say, so we have heard the Lord has done for you. Amen. I just love that. Don't you worry. God's got a good time coming by and by. And all the country is afraid of you. When we heard that the Lord dried up the Red Sea and let you cross, drowned Pharaoh's army, give you food by man out in the wilderness, put a brass serpent up for an atonement. He done all those things for you. And I know what you've done destroyed the Og and the other kings. I've seen what you did. Utterly destroyed. And when he heard this, and you were headed our way. We just fainted. There's no more courage left in no one. I tell you tonight, there's no more courage left in hell. He knows he can't defeat this bride. He's seen what you've done. He's seen cancer defeated. He's seen sin cast out. He's seen people filled with the Holy Ghost. He says tonight, I know. I know what God has done for you. And there's no more courage left in hell tonight. 
When they come back and told that to Joshua, I can imagine he whirled that sword. Said, glory to God, he's before us, amen. What made them faint? What made them so fainty when they were bigger? Why he said we look like grasshoppers up beside them. How could they faint? They were sitting behind big walls with big slings and rocks and everything and spears and everything outnumbered them by the thousands times thousands and thousands. Certainly they could. They were all united together. Why can't we just run that bunch, that little handful of little bitty old tiny scrubby looking men with old sickle bars and things to flight? Why can't we do it? That's what the people are asking inside Jericho. They ain't even military men at all. The only thing they are walking along with little old sandals on. They're not warriors. They're campers and dwellers and fanatics and holy rollers. There I am. Well, why can't we? Standing down on the banks and shouting and screaming and bringing a disgrace. There I am again. Well, why can't we armor ourselves and go against them? Because there was nothing in their hearts. Why? God said, I'll send my fear before you. Amen. There it is. I'll send my fear before for you're my people. You're my covenant people. I called you by election. I've chosen you. I put you into the body and you're circumcised. Now you're believers and you go on. I'm with you. It's all yours. Now let's liken that today. That Palestine belonged to Israel. That was their dwelling place. You see it? That was their dwelling place for Israel to dwell in. This body is yours. God gave it to you. It's your dwelling place. God wanted you to have it. But the devil has moved in. Cancer, tuberculosis, diseases. You say, I'll take him out. I'll do this. I'll do that. But you know what? Something's happened. That pillar of fire has come among us. The captain of the host of the Lord. And every devil that's got people bound tonight is scared to death. Sure they are. They're fainting. Why? They hear. Why did these Philistines and so forth faint? Why did Jericho faint? Because the people that had the promise was on the road to come in. We're on the road tonight, even like Tabernacle. Oh, let me finish this. The one that's got the promise, the people, the covenant people, the promised people that's in Jesus Christ has got a promise even at the last days that God will raise this body up and make it perfect. We've got the attributes of it now. So they're scared. Their father, the devil, is defeated at Calvary. And the captain of the host of the Lord has moved in in the form of the Holy Ghost. Faith in the Father. Faith in the Son. Faith in the Holy Ghost. Three in one. Demons will tremble. Sinners await. Faith in Jehovah will anything shake. Hallelujah. Devils are on the move. For Jesus Christ, the chief captain, said in my name they shall cast out devils. They failed to get it 40 years ago. But we're coming in now. Woo, possessing the land, the same pillar of fire, same chief captain is leading the host of the Lord. It's your land. God promised to prosper you in health. He gave you that body. It's yours by possession. The devil is trying to take it over. He hasn't got the authority to do it. He's trembling tonight. Hallelujah. Great world of God's power moving in the building. Satan's a trembling. I don't know why, but I have to read this quote. Something's just pulsating and I'm going to finish a long quote, but we're reading it. This is for somebody. World of God's power moving in the building. Satan's trembling. Oh, what if they only have faith? Oh, his heart's gone now. It's melted in him. Why? Oh, you say, well, the doctor said, yeah, but they realize that the host of the Lord is moving in now. That's right. No matter how high he's wilded, he may have wilded out of the sight of the doctor, but he hasn't wilded out of the sight of God. He might be a great big bluff to medical science. But he ain't a big bluff to God. Hallelujah. Joshua the Savior. Joshua means Savior. He's moving in. Don't be troubled. 
believe here tonight to take over. Amen. How I love that. I believe the pillar of fire is with us. The captain of the host of the Lord is here tonight. The sword is pulled. He may be afraid of that medical sign. He may not be afraid of it rather because they've never been able. They've tried hard. I hope they get it. Something to cure cancer. Something to do these things with. But so far the devil thinks he's got the bluff on them. But when the sword of Christ comes down, he will never withstand that. He'll chop every cancer loose. He will raise up the blind and the afflicted. He's doing it elsewhere. He's doing it here tonight. The great supernatural Lord Jesus Christ, the great I am, the great Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Why? The land belongs to us. All that comes to me, I'll give him everlasting light. It'll raise him up at the last day. We got the evidence of it here. People who were laying last week dying, where mayos and so forth had turned them away, could never be well, didn't know what to do with, and tonight are perfectly normal and well. The evidence, the land is ours. Hallelujah, let's get it. Amen, let's take it over. God promised it to us. It belongs to you. It belongs to me. It's your possession if you'll pull the sword. This is it. Walk in and tear down the walls. I say hallelujah. 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 There's walls facing us tonight. Let's walk in and tear down the walls. The walls are cursed. The walls are cursed. You're not cursed. You're blessed. The walls are cursed. A predestinated bride. Predestinated not to fall. Facing walls tonight. Predestinated to fall. Hallelujah. We will see miracles. Yes, we will. We will see giants fall. We will walk on water. This is your kingdom. This is the battle of This is
Yeah.